Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. We are diving back in into our study of Joseph. Diving back into our study of Joseph. Uh, my wife had just a couple weeks there on financial stewardship, and so we're just going to pick back up on it. Uh, the positive thing about that is this you didn't have to be here for the other four parts in order to understand what I'm going to talk about tonight here in what I'm calling part number five. It's not like we're going through a sequential uh, event process of Joseph. Amen. But we're more or less taking kind of a panorama view of the story. And uh, many of the lessons that we've done so far really just kind of uh, by category, categorical, I would call from the life and the story of Joseph. And so I'm going to be reading uh, various areas in the book of Genesis here just to start with tonight. Genesis 37 and verse number 23. I'm going to be going there and you'll just have to walk with me as we turn to different verses. I'm just kind of picking one here, one there for the purpose of this lesson tonight. Amen. I do, I do want to say uh, I've been in correspondence with uh, the gentleman that had uh, uh, wrote to me from, from prison, from Evansville and such, and have received correspondence back from him. And he is desiring to be baptized in Jesus' name. And so he's doing a correspondence course, Bible study. And uh, so on and so forth. And so we're going to try to try to make all of this happen. Amen. And so that's very positive. Amen. Because that is just an arm through this church. Uh, someone being reached here really within our local area. Uh, I mean, an hour away, I'd still call that local or 45 minutes. Genesis 37 and verse 23. The Bible states these words. And it came to pass when Joseph was come unto his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him. Chapter 39 and verse number 12 says, and she, this is speaking of Potiphar's wife, and she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. Chapter 41, chapter 41 and verse 14 says this, then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon. And he shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. Skipping down to verse 42 of the same chapter, the Bible says, And he, that speaking of Pharaoh, made him to ride in the second, sorry, wrong one, verse 42. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen. And put a gold chain about his neck. So we're talking about vestures. We're talking about a raiment. We're talking about uh, a garment. Uh, we're talking about clothes. All right. All these different things. And so tonight with all of those four different verses. I want to talk about Joseph's wardrobe tonight. I want to talk about Joseph's wardrobe. That probably just came. That just piqued the interest of every lady in this house. You start talking about wardrobe, just include me in on the conversation, even if it is a man's. 
So Joseph's wardrobe here this evening. Let's pray that God would help our understanding, open our hearts. I've already prayed before I ever got here at this moment that God would open hearts of people that would be here. Amen. So I'm asking him just to seal it tonight. Father, I come to you this evening. I'm asking, oh, Lord God, for your help. God, mark any every bit of error, Lord, and from my mind, Lord, and from my spirit. I pray, oh, Lord, to speak, Lord, the word of God. The word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. God, I want the word to do its work, and I want the word to speak. God, I pray, oh, Lord Jesus, if you can use these lips of clay, God, then I submit them to you, Lord, for your use and for your purpose. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. Everybody say amen. You may be seated tonight in Jesus' name. So this is part five, amen, of our series. Joseph's, Joseph's wardrobe. Um, not, not unlike today, Joseph's wardrobe changed as his role and his function in life changed. As those roles and functions changed, his wardrobe changed. Joseph was had been, however you wish to describe it, Joseph was a favored wise son that we've already come to terms with. He was the slave slash servant. He served in that row and that function. He was a prisoner at one time. He became, lastly, the administrator over the nation of Egypt. And so it seems as he uh, tiptoed through the tulips of these different rows and functions and positions that his wardrobe changed as well. He was born into his role as the favored son, but he developed into his position of being the wise son. He grew in stature, he grew in wisdom, he grew in knowledge. However, when we look at the other rows that Joseph served in such as prisoner or as overseer of a uh, house, the, the main servant of servants, if you will, and uh, the administrator of Egypt. All these other rows and functions were things that were forced upon him by other people in his life. Uh, he didn't, he, there wasn't an election. He didn't run for anything. They were forced upon him. And it seems like what we do even today is that we associate many different Character sets, if I could say it like that. Character sets with someone who is a slave compared to someone who is an administrator. We think someone of a slave to have a certain character set. That's the reason why they probably are what they are. And then one that would be an administrator have a different character set. And so we, we associate rows and functions with certain character sets. However, Joseph, as we know, he was a slave wrongfully. He was a prisoner wrongfully, so to speak. He, he was all these different things. These were things that were forced upon him. And so through his life, him being born as Joseph's beloved son and also growing and developing as a man of wisdom, that characterization of Joseph of being a man of wisdom and purity and truthfulness, those things were uh, an, an, an unwavering part of his character. His integrity stayed with him through all these different roles of being slave and, and all these different roles. Whatever the character set maybe typically was, you couldn't necessarily uh, uh, apply that to Joseph because he still held his integrity even when he was a slave. Even whenever he was a prisoner, he held his integrity. And so when we consider Joseph's wardrobe 
and clothing and garments in the scripture. Garments in the Bible uh, denoted a person's role. It denoted a person's office, much like even they do today. Uh, clothes may indicate a person's stage of life. Uh, I, I, by and large, uh, some tribe, but the, the, the elderly women do not dress like they did when they were young women. Their colors might be a little more mute. And it's, there's some, I've seen some people in today's world that are trying to dress like they're 16, but they're 60 and they've missed the boat somewhere. So many times your clothes, your clothes then denoted your role or your office, but even maybe your stage of life. We hold certain expectations even of certain people's functions. Uh, we have expectations of the USPS uh, driver, his uniform. We're expecting him in brown, aren't we? Right? That's just an expectation we have, an expectation of a baseball player's uniform. We're expecting some cleats and a hat and, and the pants and the jersey and so on and so forth. Or of a Walmart employee. I mean, you can't deny that, right? Everybody knows what a Walmart employee has, you know, that little vest. <laughs> Amen. And so these uniforms. And so this is also the very typical of Scripture, very typical that a person's robe, their function, their office was denoted by their clothing. Throughout the scriptures, we read in the Bible, we read of a widow's garments. We read of prison garments. We read of holy garments for the priest. At other times, just plainly called priest garments. The Bible speaks that there was such a thing as the attire of a harlot. Speaks in other places as a bride's attire. And so we're talking about there, there were certain ways in which their wardrobe was that denoted what they were. You could tell a bride from a harlot by what she wore. Mm -hmm. you, you could tell a priest from a, uh, a prisoner by what they wore. Their garments, what they had on. As a matter of fact, whenever, uh, whenever the, the witch of Endor, this is a biblical, uh, a biblical story in the Old Testament, when the witch of Endor... Uh, was working for Saul, so to speak, and began to summon up the old prophet, the old judge Samuel, and summoned him up. The distinguishing clothing that he summoned up here of the, the man of God, Samuel, was that he had a mantle. The Bible says that which of Endor saw a mantle on Samuel. And it's whenever she said that, that boom, Saul was like, that's, that's Samuel. Because that was a distinguishable feature of that old time judge, that old time prophet in his lifetime. For that matter, the Bible says in Mark chapter 11, in verse number 7, in verse number 8, the Bible says, and they brought the colt to Jesus and cast their garments on him. And he sat upon him. And many spread their garments in the way. And others cut down branches off the trees and strawed them in the way. So I want you to get the idea that, that what people wore even then and even now still identifies a row and a function. It gives you identity. Gives you identity. And so here they are. They're casting their garments on this beast of burden that Jesus is going to ride on into Jerusalem during the triumphal entry that it's called in, the, in, in our world today. And they, some of them even threw their garments down to let that beast go upon it. And so here's Jesus on the coat coming into Jerusalem. Many people, are, some are spreading down palm branches, but others are taking off their actual garments and putting it there in the way where he rode. Because these people 
saw Jesus, this man on a coat riding into Jerusalem to be a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy through the prophet Zechariah. They felt like it was being fulfilled in this moment because Zechariah had said that your king will come riding upon the back of a coat. And so when they seen Jesus, they seen Jesus as their king riding upon a coat. And as they did that, they took the garments that identified who they were. The garments that, if you will, stood for their very being. And they would cast them down in front of Jesus as he rode in on that coat. Doing what? Because when they were surrendering their garments, since it was their identity, they were surrendering themselves. Not just to Jesus, but to somebody they recognized as their king. And so they're casting that down, surrendering their garments, surrendering themselves because their garments identified them. And they wanted themselves a very literal signifying act that they were surrendered unto their king. As a matter of fact, this practice of what they were doing in the New Testament goes all the way back even to the Old Testament and has its roots there. The Bible speaks of a man by the name of Jehu who Elijah came and anointed to be Israel's next king. And he had no sooner anointed him to be Israel's next king. But the Bible says that Jehu's servants took their garments. You can read of it in 2 Kings 9. They took their garments and they placed them under him at the top of the stairs the Bible says and they begin to chant and say Jehu is king what are they doing their identity they're surrendering themselves and placing themselves under the authority of their new king by what they did with their garments amen before it ever be played out in their life they showcased it by what they did with their garments With that being said tonight, Joseph's coat of many colors, again, we have looked at, and it represents both his character, him being a man of purity and of wisdom. Remember, Joseph made him this because it was the son of his old age, or more particularly described, it was the son that had wisdom beyond his years. And so it was a representation of Joseph's character, but also it was a representation of Joseph's identity. Joseph was indeed that loved son of his father, that cared for son of his father. Now here is, here is kind of a two-edged sword when you start talking about garments and raiment and clothing. A two-edged sword because someone, listen to me carefully, someone may identify as someone else with their clothing without having the character of that office. There's been people that have falsely posed as cops or as, as this or that. They had the clothing that identified them as that, but they didn't have the character to match the office or the role. And so people could adorn themselves to give themselves an identity, but at the same time betray their character at the same time because it did not harmonize with the role. We, and I, I got biblical basis for everything I'm saying here tonight. In the Old Testament, Saul 
attempted to disguise himself, again, talking about that story in 1 Samuel 28 of him going to seek a familiar spirit or the witch of Endor. The Bible says whenever Saul went to her because he had done away with all the familiar spirits, got him out of the land, and so he was transgressing his own law by doing this, that whenever he went and sought her out, he disguised himself in the presence of the witch. He's a king. He has kingly robes and kingly garments. In order to describe himself, he's going to have to change his identity. And see, so he goes in and, he, and he, he disguises himself by putting on other raiment beside his kingly garments. And so he changes his, tries to change his identity by his garment, but that doesn't take away from his character being the same. Ahab, we read in Scripture, Ahab, who was king of Israel at, at this time in, in 1 Kings 22, and another king by the name of Jehoshaphat, who is the king of Judah at that time, they are both buddies because their fathers were buddies. And they're about ready to enter in war with Syria. And the Bible says Ahab decides he's not wearing his kingly robes because he wants to disguise himself. What's he want to do? Change his identity because he's going into war. And Jehoshaphat, though, is going to wear his kingly robe. Well, the king of Syria had the game plan. He told his soldiers. And this is, I mean, this makes sense. He says, when we go into battle, you don't fight with anybody except the king. We're, we're trying to get the king of Israel. We're trying to take him down. He is the focus of our whole battle right here. So when you go in there, don't fight with anybody except the king. But what they didn't know was Ahab entered the war without his kingly robes on. And by virtue of doing that, he changed his identity. And so whenever they get in warfare, guess what? There's only one other person that has kingly robes on. Ahab's quote-unquote friend, Jehoshaphat. And they were about ready to take Jehoshaphat down because he had the kingly robes on until they perceived and recognized, hold on, that isn't the king of Israel. Amen. And so they, they, they withdrew from him. But here is another story. Ahab changes his attire because it would change his identity. So there's a connection between what he wore and who he was. Huh? Ahab didn't wear them. Jehoshaphat almost got wrongfully killed because he still wore his kingly clothes. But in these instances, in these instances, a, a change of clothing identified them differently. But again, it didn't do anything about changing their character. Or should I say, it signified nothing about their character. It remained the same. Amen? So Joseph's brothers, consider, Joseph's brothers may have only seen his coat of many colors as a result of their daddy's love and affection and care for Joseph. But we all know that it went much further than that. It did identify him but it went further than that. It identified him because the Bible says in Genesis 37 and verse 18, and when they, speaking of Joseph's brothers, and when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. The Bible says whenever they saw him afar off. My question to you tonight to get us to think here this evening is this. How did they recognize it was him and start conspiring to slay him even before he arrived if he was afar off? I tell you how. Perhaps it was the distinct way that he was dressed in that coat that his father had given him. So they could identify 
who it was because of what he had on. Amen. But beyond identifying him like that, his coat, though, Joseph's coat was also tied to his character. It denoted him as one of prominence among his family. Again, as we learned, that coat of many colors wasn't necessarily it was many colors, as our English Bibles say. But in the Hebrew, it means that it was long-sleeved and that it went down to his ankles. And that wasn't the normal attire of a shepherd or a worker. They were usually short-sleeved. And so this was a man then of prominence, someone that was a leader, someone that was a master, a supervisor. And so that put Joseph, it showed his character. He could be trusted with such an office because he had character that was trustworthy. And so if we lean, which we should, on Scripture interpreting Scripture, there's no better interpreter of Scripture than Scripture. If we lean on Scripture interpreting Scripture, the only other place we see a coat of many colors or a raiment of diverse colors is in the terminology that's used concerning Tamar, David's daughter. The Bible says in 2 Samuel 13 and verse 18, got a lot of scripture, hello, I'm here. And she had a garment of diverse colors, exact same Hebrew word as Joseph's coat of many colors, upon her. For with such robes were king's daughters that were virgins apparel. Then this servant brought her out and bolted the door after her, verse 19, and Tamar put ashes on her head, and rent her garment of diverse colors that was on her and laid her hand on her head and went on crying. So according to these verses, king's daughters wore coats of many colors or garments of diverse colors. And even more specifically, it's important to note that virgin king daughters, uh-huh, virgin king daughters wore these. In other words, such garments that she had on and Joseph had on, didn't just denote royalty, it denoted purity. Amen. It denoted purity. And what we have here in 2 Samuel 13, uh, Tamar is going to be taken advantage of by her half-brother. He's going to rape her. He's going to force himself upon her and take advantage of her. And no doubt whenever she leaves this scenario, the Bible says she is renting her garments for one, perhaps absolutely out of just being devastated the extreme sorrow that that over what's just happened to her and what's just taken place but also i can't help but believe she also rents them follow me closely here she also rents them after being taken advantage of after being raped by ammon because though she was still royal huh though she was still royal that identity didn't change she was no longer pure Character had changed. And she, knowing how important the garments and clothing was, she wasn't willing to be cloaked just for identity purposes only. She valued character too much as well. Huh? Because the clothing didn't just denote identity. It also denoted character. Someone say amen. So in biblical times, particularly in the Old Testament, clothing was was scarce, and I don't mean no one had any, okay? <laughs> Everybody just ran around fancy free. <laughs> but it was scarce in the sense that the common person just didn't ordinarily just have several things in the closet, so to speak. It's not like they had a lot of different outfits to choose from. They could truly stand there and say, I don't have anything to wear. 
Uh, I hit a sore spot right there. You know. <laughs> Amen. And, 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 and Scripture proves this. That is the one reason why whenever we see Naaman going to Elisha for healing of the leprosy in his body, that whenever he received his healing, he has come there with gifts. And one of the gifts that he has brought are garments as a gift that he would like to give to Elisha as a gift or as a payment for being very instrumental in himself being healed of leprosy. Why? Why would that be such a big thing to get clothing as a gift? Because you normally just had one. This is my identity. You had one. This is who I am. This is my character. Also, whenever you read of Samson in Judges 14, Samson, he promised to give 30 companions that were around. He said, if you can answer my riddle, by the in seven days, if you can answer my riddle, he said, I'll give you each of you a change of garment. If you can, man, they're like, yeah, I'm going to have some new duds. You know, that was uncommon. A change of garment was very, very, very scarce. And so here's Samson. He's posing then a change of garment as a reward because it was very valuable. It was something that was truly prized. Amen. And so though the normal person didn't have an abundance of clothes, Clothes were still essential. Hmm? Even the necessity of clothing in Scripture was so necessary and essential that it was put right up there in the New Testament along with food and water. Yeah. The Bible says in Matthew 6, 31, Therefore, he says, Take no thought, saying, What shall, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or with all shall we be clothed? He just put it right up there with your food and your water. Don't say amen. Right? I mean, we're just merely a few words uh, into the scripture after the fall of humanity in Genesis when both Adam and Eve are sewing together fig leaves. What? To make aprons. Why? Covering themselves because now they recognize because of, after their transgression that they are naked. Huh? And in the Bible, to be without clothes or stripped of your clothes was typically a sign of being uncared for. It was typically a sign of shame. Amen. The Bible says in Ezekiel 16, verses 4 through 5, Ezekiel is speaking here of the nation of Israel. And he's speaking metaphorically. He's speaking of the nation of Israel as a baby. And this is what he says. He says, as for thy nativity, in the day thou wast born, thy navel was not cut. Neither wast thou washed in water to supple thee. Thou wast not salted at all, nor swaddled at all. What's that being talking about? Swaddling cloths, clothed. So that wasn't you. He said, none I pitied thee to do any of these things unto thee, to have compassion upon thee. But thou wast cast out in the open field to the loathing of thy person, the day that thou wast born. And so what he's saying is this. No one swallowed thee, no one clothed thee, no one then pitied thee, no one had compassion on thee. To not be clothed was to not be pitied, no compassion, you were left to yourself. But to be clothed meant that somebody cared for you. Uh-huh. To be clothed meant someone had compassion upon you and someone pitied you. And so when Joseph's brother stripped him of his coat, that long sleeve tunic that reached down to his ankles, they were putting a stigma, wanting to put a stigma of shame upon Joseph. And they were desiring to signify quite the contrary to what the coat did signify. They wanted to signify he wasn't cared for by his father. That he wasn't cared for by his father. Amen. 
But that is what everything that garment was saying. I am the loved son. I am the favored son. Said, well, we're going to do something with your garments. We're going to remove that garment. And then it will give the other indication that you're not cared for. That you're not pitied. That you're not thought of. And so the clothing that Joseph wore, for that matter, the clothing that any of us wear, indicates that somebody cares for us in a very, in a very real sense. My kids walk around with clothes on because my wife and I care for them. Just real practical. Huh? I mean, a lot of times you see when someone roam around, you know, they don't have hardly a shred of clothes on. You think, man, they just probably don't have enough money here. Huh? All the pictures in third world countries you see of people. What, poverty stricken? Sometimes it's not that someone maybe doesn't care, that they don't have the means, but you understand the concept. Amen. And so here is Joseph. Someone cares for him. Amen. And we're cared for. In the beginning, when Adam and Eve made their little frail attempt to cover themselves with the aprons, the Bible says that God made them coats of skins and clothed them. Amen. Why? Because he cared for them. He cared for them. And in the very spiritual sense, amen, he even cares for us. Amen. But here's the thing. How we, how we, how we interact with that, Amen. You know, being clothed, remaining clothed, both in a figurative and in a literal sense, indicate that we we feel cared for and we like being cared for. Is someone hearing me? We like being cared for. Joseph didn't take off his garment and hand it to the brothers. They stripped it from him. Now, Joseph, now here, I want you to consider, because a lot of time will probably be spent on the first two garments. We'll just kind of, Little whistle puddle stop for the last two. Okay. But Joseph's first garment was used to make his father think that he was dead. He was dipped in blood. They didn't say Joseph was dead. They said, What is this your is this your son Cope? And then Joe, Joe, Jacob derived and, and deduced himself. He's been torn to pieces. So they used his first coat. To make their father think that Joseph was dead. If I may say, they used the first coat to contend with the identity or condition of Joseph. Dead or alive, he's dead. All right? Now look. The second garment, the one that Potiphar's wife got a hold of, and Joseph left. She used that garment to make his master, and everybody else for that matter, Think that Joseph was immoral. That deals with character. Huh? First time they're talking about identity, dead or alive. Now the second garment, she's she's taking a little pickaxe toward character. Listen to me. I want you to listen very closely tonight. Isn't it interesting that in both of these occurrences that the attire of the righteous, pure, commendable Joseph was used to criticize him and was put forth in a manner untruthful huh? to the reality of his enemy or enemies rather than used to commend him. In other words, they used his garment in a roundabout way to criticize Joseph rather than commend 
Joseph. Follow me here. This is kind of the walk with pastor tonight thing. I don't know for sure if Joseph had a better set of apparel than the common slave when he was a slave in Potiphar's house because he became the master of Potiphar's house. So I'd almost guess that Potiphar would want to distinguish him somewhat because he was the head of slaves within his house. But if that is true, both his father and Potiphar wanted to commend Joseph by his clothing. Father says, I favor him, I love him, I'm giving him that. Potiphar, if he gave him a little step above just a normal slave because he was master of his house, I want to commend him because of that. Both of them wanted to commend Joseph with what he wore while his enemies wanted to degrade him by the same thing. Hmm. Hmm. Someone say, hmm. Therefore, in this instance, listen to me, some of the very same things that bring blessing and honor from God, mm -hmm, our authority, will many times become a target for your enemy. Hmm? Someone say amen. The very thing that's on Joseph that said, your father loves you and cares for you and desires you. The very thing that was upon him even that you're the master of this house, that you're respectable enough to have some type of leadership. Now the enemies though, his brothers, are ripping from him. They're criticizing, they're targeting the very same thing. Why? Because it all is associated and attached to your identity and your character. Someone say amen. Mm -hmm. Consider it. When you're reading the book of Leviticus, we're all over the Bible. I'm using the whole Bible tonight. I got scriptures in Revelation before it's all said and done. But in the book of Leviticus, you look at it yourself. You need these exact references. Come to me. I got them written in my notes, but we're not reading all of them up there. Leviticus 13, you'll read about the subject matter of leprosy. Leprosy in a person, leprosy in a house, how to contend with leprosy, how to judge whether or not it is leprosy. Leprosy was an Old Testament type of sin. Sin could get in a, an individual. Sin could get in a home. All these things. And as I was thinking about this today and it came back to my memory, isn't it telling that among all the places that leprosy, which was a typology for sin, all the places that it could get, it could get on a person, it could get in a house, it could also affect a garment. That leprosy could get in a person's attire. And the ultimate, Sister Margaret, the ultimate solution to leprosy in the garment was burning the garment. And thus, if that happened, that meant a person had to change garments. Leprosy found other places. A priest, he, he, he would watch. He would watch it, whether in the house, in a person, or in, in a garment. He would watch. And if he suspected a spot uh, to becoming more leprous or less leprous, he'd wait for seven days. He needed to know exactly what it was before he took action. But if it was leprous, he's going to decide, does, can the garment just be washed? Will that take care of it? I don't know. Should we rent a hole in the garment and take out what's affected? I don't know. But ultimately, if nothing, if the washing didn't work and, and the renting didn't work, the final certain absolute action for protection was you burn the garment and you get a different garment. Someone say amen. 
And so the same coat that expressed the love of Joseph's father, the favor of Joseph's father, would be used then to deceive his very own father. And we've seen it, folks. We've already seen it with Saul disguising himself, Ahab disguising himself. Garments can be deceiving, but that's not their intended biblical purpose. They are, in, they are for the indication that one cares for you. They're for the indication to convey identity. They're for the, 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 the idea of conveying character. Bluntly, they are to cover your nakedness. Amen. They are. As a matter of fact, the first time we see the word garment in our English Bibles is when Shem and Japheth were walking in backwards and they had one between their two shoulders, draped over their shoulders. You know what they were getting ready to do? Cover up their fathers. First time you ever see the word garment used in Scripture. And the law first mentioned according to the biblical scholars is this. However the word is first used, that's the meaning of the word. So that means the garments that cover up your nakedness. Amen. But here's the awesome thing. Where a bloody coat deceived mankind, then a bloody coat will save mankind in the end. The Bible says in Revelations 19 and verse 11, the, 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 the great revelator John speaks and says, I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him called faithful and true in righteousness, he doth judge and make war. Speaking of Jesus Christ. And his eyes were as a flame of fire. Speaking of the second coming, if you will. And of his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God and the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses and they were clothed in fine linen white and clean so it was a bloody coat that deceived in the beginning but it's going to be a bloody coat that redeems in the end God does that through his word. You see everything about the second Adam that's fallen. That's the reason why it speaks of Christ Jesus as being the second Adam. Adam's the first, but he talks about the second Adam. Because everything that's seemingly the first Adam undone, Jesus Christ did then being the second Adam. So what seemingly was used in a raw sense, amen, of a bloody coat then, he says, I'll take it for redemption and salvation now. Amen. So Potiphar's wife, we got to hurry on here. Potiphar's wife caught Joseph by his garment. The Bible says she caught him. And he left his garment. He fled and he got out because he didn't want anything to do with this seductive cat. She'd been on him daily wanting him to lay with her. He knew he'd sin against God if he did that. He'd sin against the master of his house. But here is poor Joseph. Bless his heart. I mean, <laughs> you know, items of lost things. Joseph's clothing is there. It's probably in the school up there in the lost and found in one of the pieces of Joseph's clothing. But nevertheless, here he is. He's lost another article of clothing that can be used against him. She tried. What she tried to do, she tried to defame Joseph's character. By what? Using his coat. Not only did she try, listen to me very clearly here, church family. Not only did she try to defame his character, she tried to defame the character of the people of God. The Hebrews. The Bible says she spoke to those whoever would listen to her. She says, this, this Hebrew that my, my husband has brought into our house, he's tried to mock us. She's not just trying to defame Joseph. She's trying to defame the people of God with what they wear. Wow. 
says, he's, she even told her husband, this Hebrew you brought in our family. He mocked us. Now listen, listen to me again. We've touched on this here and there through Joseph. If you live your life respectably, your character will take care of your reputation. Doesn't mean your reputation will never be viewed negatively because people talk. But if you continue living your life respectably, your character that hopefully changes not and wavers will take care of your reputation. See, reputation is what other people think about you. But character is who you know you are. Bible says in Genesis 41 verse 12 look at this here it is this is when she cries this is kind of neat to me so she's trying to defame Joseph trying to defame the Hebrew people and God he keeps so good records here here's where character takes care of reputation this is just for a case in point Genesis 41 verse 12 later in the story whenever there was there was there with us a young man this is the butler talking the butler that was came out of prison Joseph had interpreted his dream, did it rightly. He was brought out of his prison. Joseph said, remember me when you get out. He forgot him. Two years, right? So he's here, and he's coming to remembrance concerning his old buddy Joseph, you know, over in jail. He says, a young man, a Hebrew. I think it's important that that's there. He could just said a man. There was a man. No, he says, a Hebrew servant to the captain of the guard. We told him, and he interpreted to us our dreams, and to each man according to his dream, he did interpret. You know what? The butler's remembering Joseph after two years of forgetting him, and God is just allowing him to give some credit, not just back to Joseph, but back to the people of God. He's a Hebrew. What happened? Joseph kept living his life, and his character took care of his reputation. Yeah, Genesis 39 and verse 16. Here she is. Potiphar's wife, and we're jumping around the story, Joseph. She laid upon his garment. She laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home. Now, there's a whole lot about this that it seems a little bit intriguing to me. There's a whole lot about this a little intriguing to me. Why, I ask you this, why would you want, why would you want, the garment of somebody that tried to take advantage of you because that's her calling card right here. That's what she's crying out. Why would you want the garment of someone that tried to take advantage of you laying beside you? Yeah, perhaps, you know, set the stage. But I'm talking about in real, real reality. If there was a man that snuck somebody's home and almost took advantage of a woman, she don't want his pants and shirts in her room on her bed. You wouldn't want to do that, now would you? Then you wouldn't erase everything you could from your mind concerning that whole scenario. But she wanted it. She wanted his garment beside her because she was the pursuer. Listen to me closely. And she was fond of Joseph. Are you one? Listen to me a little further. She wanted what he had. And I'm not just talking about, listen, sexual relations alone. Listen to me. She wanted his character. She's seen something in Joseph that she didn't see in herself, but she desired to have. She wanted his character. And garments are tied to identity. And garments are tied to character. That is why, that's why she attempted to ruin his character. Because she wanted it. 
Have you ever, have you ever known someone with the little idea, if I can't have it, I don't want them to have it either? Huh? You ever been anything like that in your life? If I can't have it, I don't want them to have it. So honey, if I can't have that pure, if I can't have that pure, respectable character of that man, then I don't want him to have it either. Going to try, going to try to defame that. Listen, listen, listen. Let's bring this to a spiritual sense tonight. The enemy wants your raiment. You listening to me? Not for identity purposes, but with hopes of gaining your character. Listen to me. But character cannot be produced by a garment. No. Character becomes a garment. It's not. A garment becomes character. Character becomes a garment. It doesn't work on the outside in. It works on the inside out. Mm -hmm. The famed, listen to me. I'm starting to feel my help come here tonight. The famed, that means I feel the spirit of the Lord. The famed Proverbs, you thought they're about right coming to the side door. How y'all doing? The famed Proverbs 31 woman, listen to me. Proverbs 31, they'll probably talk about it on Mother's Day somewhere in America. She is said to work with her hands and that all that her household is clothed with scarlet. The Bible says she even makes the tapestry upon her bed. It says, listen to me now, you can read it in verse 22 of Proverbs 31. It says, her clothing, watch me, is silk and purple. But when you skip down to verse 25, it says her, her clothing is silk and purple. When you skip down to verse 25, it says strength and honor are her clothing. You know what that tells me? Strength and honor, which are character traits, characteristics. They became, they became her clothing. It's not that she put on silk and put on this, and all of a sudden she found some inherent ability to have honor and strength. No, no. It's that she had honor and strength first, and that then became her garment. That became her identity. That became... Oh, yes. Hallelujah. Someone say amen. That became her clothing, and there is no other way around it. Amen. The Bible says in Genesis 35 and verse 2, Scripture with Scripture, Scripture with Scripture. Son, if you tie all this up, you're going to have a ball of yarn a cat can play with. Genesis 35 and verse 2. Then Jacob said unto his household. This is back all before the story of Joseph. And to all that were with him. Put away the strange gods that are among you and be clean. And change your garments. What's happening? Jacob is on his way back home. He's been, a strange, he's been away from home for quite some time. He's been fearful that Esau, his brother, was going to murder him. He's been gone. When he left, he just had his staff in his hand. But now that he's been gone, now he has, he has, he has Rachel and he has Leah's wives. He has all these kids and he has bands of servants and men. And he has livestock. He has all this stuff. And so he's going back home. But while he's in his journey traveling back home, God says, I want you to go back to Bethel where this thing first all begun. What's Bethel mean? The house of God. So I want you to go back to Bethel. So whenever Jacob's on his way back to Bethel, he's well acquainted with Bethel, okay? This isn't his first time. This is not his first time. He's been to Bethel before. He is familiar with Bethel. He knows about Bethel. And so he's going to go back to the house of God. So now look, when God told him to return to Bethel on his trip home, 
Jacob takes leadership authority over his household that he has. And he told them three things. Watch this. He says, put away strange gods, be clean, and change your garments. Listen to me, though. Here's something I want you to know. The changing of the garments followed them separating themselves from false gods and being clean. He didn't say, change your garments and separate yourself and be clean. No, that's the tail wagging the dog. He said, separate yourself from false gods, be clean. And what happens? It does something for your identity and your character, your garments. Because if they just changed garments, you know what they would have had? They would have had an identity, but they wouldn't have had the character to match it. Mm-hmm. Amen. Genesis 41, verse 14. Got to run, got to run, got to run. When Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, this is clothing change number three, so to speak. When Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon, he'd been a prisoner. He shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. Now, if you look at that verse in Scripture, I don't see where it says anywhere that someone told Joseph to do what Joseph did. They quickly brought him out of prison. But he, he being Joseph, shaved and changed his raiment before entering the presence of a pagan king. Now, he shaved because, from my understanding, my study today, Egyptians were the only Oriental nation that liked a smooth chin. They liked someone to be clean shaven. All right? But clothing has a big part here in Joseph's story as well. Insomuch that he aligned himself. Are you listening to me? This is a pagan king, but he's aligning himself in such a way that he'll be pleasing and presentable to a foreign power. Of his own accord. He knew what pleased the king. So he's going to enter his presence aligned to that standard. If he did that for a pagan king. How much more should we do that for the king of? When you learn what is pleasing and accepted as presentable to him. Let's walk into his presence in that manner. Huh? Genesis 41 and verse 42. Moving on. Someone say moving on. Mm, that sounds good. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand. This is like change number four. And arrayed him in vestures, garment, clothing, of fine linen, and put a gold chain about his neck. Now listen, folks, throughout, throughout the years, throughout the years from 17 to 30, whenever he, he's at this stage in life, Joseph has had on some different garments. I mean, he's, I mean, this cat, he's not wearing the same old thing, you know. <laughs> Got some different garb that he can go through here, or has went through, rather. Some that he was born into, others that he developed into. And yet others that were forced upon him. But at this moment, Genesis 41, verse 42 he would be arrayed, the Bible says, in vestures of fine linen. 
No, this isn't a single garment. It's vestures. Vestures of fine linen. You know, just walk with me here a little bit. I had fun today. Okay? I did. Ironically, what was a part? Now, this is in Egypt. This is serving the Egyptian king, Pharaoh. Ironically, what was a part of the royal clothing of Egypt, that is fine linen, was also what they wrapped their dead in. The mummies of Egypt, that was fine linen that they wrapped around their mummies. The same thing that they considered royal clothing in Egypt was also something that they wrapped their dead in. You'll walk with me. But for this Hebrew, Joseph, Bishop, I believe it meant something else. I think it meant that God had not missed a thing in Joseph's life. Because in the book of Revelation, chapter 19 and verse 8, speaking concerning the church and to her, speaking concerning the church, the bride of Christ, and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. If I can say it like this, he is given vestures of fine linen. If I can for all purposes, me tonight, Joseph was dead to Egypt. <laughs> he was dead to Egypt and he would eventually die in Egypt. But he would give commandment concerning his bones. He would not be buried in Egypt. But he wanted to be taken to the land of promise. So he's dead to Egypt, but he has fine linen on. He's landed in a garment, according to their estimation, of royalty. And I guess to his estimation, it is too, because it's what's going to be granted to the church, the righteousness of the saints. Amen. They were given to him, and they will be given to the church. He's came full circle. The very thing that his father gave him because he was a trustworthy man, a pure man, an honorable man. Now he's standing in a foreign court. They say that's their royalty. He said, I'm saying it's because I'm dead to this world, but I'm back where the righteousness of God is. The righteousness of the saints is of God because the Bible says our righteousness is as filthy rags. There's none righteous, no, not one. So if the saints have any righteousness it's because they got it from their God and so Joseph is dead to Egypt but he's alive to God oh yeah he's identified oh yes he is he's got character oh yes he is he's covered mm -hmm. stand with me I won't take advantage of you and if you've already felt like you've taken advantage of, I'm sorry, just don't see it that way. Because I have another page of stuff that I just labeled at the top extra that I'm not even touching. Hallelujah. Joseph's wardrobe. Joseph's wardrobe. So, again, in a practical, practical and spiritual levels, on a very practical means, these do identify. They do characterize. On a very spiritual means concerning the church, he's coming back for a glorious church that should be without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that's speaking in terms of garments. Right? 
He's wanting the church in a spiritual sense to have garments that identify them as his and that characterize him. Huh? Characterize them mirroring his characterization and attributes. Amen. If we bow our heads here this evening, Lord Jesus, I... Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.